Today we are here for our second podcast of the 12 plus 1 Wisdom Fires. And as the time before, I'm sitting here with three beautiful people, Danny, Helen, Frank, and then of course myself. So I should have said four, but it already reveals something about my conditioning, which we also delve in today. Last time we spoke about farming, nitrogen problems, government. And after we recorded the podcast, we found out how come that we were so readily um, to engage on offering our opinion, our views on this. Because how much do actually we really know about farming? Which kind of opened up the bigger question about like, how do we form opinion? And why do we have opinions? I think it's a really beautiful question. Why do we always have these judgments? Why do we always think we know how something works, how something is? Um, how do we build this judgment? How do we um, get these answers coming to us? And just what you said as well, what is our instinctive reaction to it? Yours was like, oh, backing off, need to get quiet. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It may actually link with the uh, is it freeze, uh, fight and flight, just the reptilian brain. I don't know this for a fact, but presumably it has something to do with the brain wanting to give definition to the environment to feel safe. And that's why we try to put labels and opinions and try to uh, name things, you know, for what we think they are, so that we can feel comfortable with it. What are your comfort drivers, Danny? I'm not sure what they are, but what happened just now was the, the moment you asked the question, I take it in. And I do something in my feeling, in my brain, to either it's going to trigger some emotion, and in this case it might be freeze because I didn't have an answer ready or it might be just a thought that's um, really triggering my uh, curiosity because that I like to know more about so my curiosity really gets triggered and uh, for me that's I like it that is a really important part and either one I do one or, or the other Either I, yeah, I get triggered emotionally, somehow, or my brain really starts working. But out of curiosity, how does this work? And then I'll get more questions. It's interesting. The question that pops up in my mind, isn't it that we are trying to make sense of it all? And are we actually using our senses, or are we only using our brain? Good point, because the brain, as we know, is actually a survival organ, which also connects us to this big topic of consciousness, right? Where is actually consciousness really residing? And there's some very controversial science, scientific evidence coming to light now that actually shows that consciousness is something that's happening outside of the brain. And how mind-boggling is that? I don't want to think about it. Are you trying to say that my brain is not where consciousness is originating? Again, according to this very controversial science, 
Yes. <laughs> Spooky. You're just repeating what everybody is repeating, and that's what you also see in social media, or if it's LinkedIn or if it's Insta. We all have those stories we are repeating the whole time, and it's like that knowledge is something which we um, check in. So it's like when we read something, oh, we, this person is saying this, and that person is saying that, and that, and that we're like repeating those stories in our head, and we we stay in a in a in a mind state in a way. But when we have less time to really sit down and feel what's really going on and find answers in ourselves, the same we were talking last time about, then we won't. We will only repeat what is said already. And that's, I think, it's a big trap. And it's a lot of things are about knowledge right now. How much do we know about something? And as soon as we know something, that was also when you were asking this question, I had this tendency of backing off. And at the same time, what do I know about consciousness? What do I know about these patterns? What do I know? So that's also, in a way, and I, I know... <laughs> <laughs> to myself right now that that's not the answer it's just what I tend to do in many cases and I'm asking myself what can I do differently in this so how can I break through this pattern what I used to have and start really going inside and start listening there But that's also a kind of tension coming down at the same time. So that's a kind of uh, uncomfortable, in a way. And what makes it uncomfortable? I don't know. When I when I tune into my body, it's like it's getting warmer. It's not the sun here, but it's really getting warmer. So I know something is happening, and I try to follow it. But at the same time, I just don't know. I just don't know. And that is discomfort in itself. Yes. yes. Yeah, go, before, go before we know. I just wanted to share an additional type of discomfort. And that is the how difficult it is to change some of the practices I've developed in my life. So from a very early age... I developed an interest in current affairs and I would just spell newspapers at the time there was no internet and just to see what was happening in the world uh, both politically and business life and what have you and that pattern has basically is deeply ingrained in my system so whenever I wake up the first thing I do is just screening the headlines you know and typically from sources that share information with me that is in many cases pretty sensationalist And in almost all cases, not something that's particularly useful in my daily life. And so, mindful of the fact that I have this pattern, I also notice how difficult it is that to change that pattern and begin to redirect my attention to different sources and different types of information or indeed knowledge. Because what we're talking about here in terms of opinions, that's a layer before knowledge you already stop the process of um, gaining information and knowledge before you actually start. Can you talk a bit more about what you just said last? 
we see a headline and in some media it's actually an unopinionated headline say like in the economist but if you look at the daily newspapers typically it is is brought with the opinion of the uh, reporter and then we don't switch to a, a questioning mode uh, the curiosity mode that uh, Danny mentioned earlier to examine whether uh, there are other sides to the story and to make it more complete and to have an informed view without perhaps jumping to a conclusion or, uh, by extension, an opinion. And it appears to me that many people have that pattern, I do, um, that you read something and you conclude that uh, you try to make it simple for yourself and try to get your mind around it and then be able to put a label in it so you can store it somewhere in your brain and move on to the next so why do we have this compulsion? Any wisdom you would, uh, or any inner knowing you want to offer on this? What do you feel, Nadja? What do I feel? <clears throat> well, when I was listening to Frank, I thought about what is my compulsion actually to check media or check the news. And to be honest, news, I really have to kind of push myself to read the news because at some point in my life, I noticed that I was getting so anxious uh, reading news and I was getting all upset and worked up about issues in the world that I have absolutely no influence on or let's say it feels for me I have no influence on and it would just not serve me. So at some point, I kind of <laughs> made a serious detox on news and said I'm not watching it anymore or I'm not reading it anymore. And I have really perfected this kind of protection mechanism, if you like. But now it's like this, that sometimes I really miss out on the big things. And people have said, well, have you heard about that tsunami in Japan? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? And I feel so bad. And then I kind of do the opposite, right? I go into the media and I start reading up everything I can find about it on the news and everything so so that I am just knowledgeable so that I can then when ask people said it's like oh have you you know isn't it terrible what I what happened that I can give an informed opinion about it because at this moment I feel like I'm such a it, it's interesting because it's there's of course an ego part about being ignorant and being seen as somebody who doesn't know or is not informed but also it feels like almost like this is really weird um I'm letting those people in Japan down that I don't know about them and that I don't know about, you know, the hardship that they're going through right now. Weird, huh? Does it make any sense? Mm -hmm. It does make sense. <laughs> because at the same time, we are connected. And it's also happening to us, even if we don't know. But when we read it, it's like we are more involved. But at the same time, we don't know what they report and if it's right, what's happening there. So there are also question marks. But there are many cases where people felt uh, a lot of things which were going to happen and also happened. And I think Danny has some experience with that. Uh, really big events in the world. Um, even if you would not read about it, it's still also affecting your energy and your system even if we don't know, because we are all connected, if we like it or not. It's 
all about, and we were talking about that before, it's all about kinship. We, we are connected to everything all around us, not only people, but also nature. So whatever happens, it will affect ourselves. This is uh, a little bit of my story in here. It's, it's very important because actually this was a real big switch in, in my life when I was around 12. Um, I read a lot of books and I got a lot of text and I sensed there is a difference in what is being said there and the truth. And I always had this deep inner drive, but it's, this drive to me is huge for what is really happening there. Because all that's being said is, most of it is actually lies. I called it lies to make it very clear in myself. This is not the whole truth. This is just a small part of the truth. Because somewhere I have this, this feeling that we can work and live with everything around us. We would know the things that happened. So I actually made the, the conscious decision not reading books and not listening to the, the radio and stuff anymore. Because I already encountered this in the schools I was. We were getting taught this, but I saw real life for me is differently. And it works differently. And that makes a huge... And later I understand it's something about something we want to learn. And how that works, I don't know, but I felt the difference. And this gave me, and still gives me, a, a drive to look at least one step deeper to see what is the, the thrive of this. How come people didn't hear this coming? How, how come we didn't feel it? How come we didn't use our senses and our common sense to see, like Japan, see this coming. Indeed, because <clears throat> what the both of you just said is so true. I remember distinctively when the um, Russian invasion started for the Ukraine war. That night, I woke up sometime around four, and I was so anxious. I woke up with like a beating heart, and I had no idea where this was coming from I was like what's happening you know is anything going on is like something in the house or did something happen yesterday or is something coming tomorrow that I'm kind of worried about nothing I just had this incredible unsettling uh, sensation and the next morning I talked to a couple of people and more or less all of these people have experienced something similar and then we started hearing the news We started hearing um, what was happening and, uh, you know, like Russia invading Ukraine and I could absolutely not believe and fathom that this is possible in this day and age. And we have this all the time. Also very small things like, you know, someone is calling or, you know, someone is messaging you or it's, it's all the time there. And the moment we start really listening to the sensations, and you were also also talking about it, Frank, then, then we, we will be more connected in a way, but we also are more aware of what is going on in our surroundings. And I think this is a very important part that then we start understanding how this works in ourselves, how we get these answers, how we, how we know things from our own... Um, 
core from our own being. Um, and that's different than just taking every information in and starting to digest it in yourself or starting to repeat it in yourself. It's more that we start really listening to who we are and what, what the answers are which we get in ourselves. And that's not always easier, not always loud there because we are not used doing this. Helen, at this point, I would love to dive a little bit more into, you know, who you are, to give our listeners a little bit of a f feeling of like, you know, who is Helen van Engel that, the, that is speaking with her beautiful voice on this podcast? When you can bring back what you just said to your own formation, your own history, your own background, how do you, where is this coming from? Um, a big part of what I've been learning is... Um, And what I really love learning too is about how our inner growth is working. So how do we develop in all stages of life? And um, when I look back at everything I've done, then I see that um, I've been working with children and young adults and parents. And so a big part I've been learning about how, how we are programmed in a way or how we, how we are the way we are. And um, also how we get back to um, ourselves. So what do you feel like when you look back at your, at your childhood and also at your schooling, your education, your process of growing up? Um, what are your strongest opinions about your own upbringing? That's a good question. My own upbringing, I've always uh, said that family is one of the important parts of growing up. And to have like a feeling of safety, um, a place where you can just allow yourself to be who you are. But at the same time, your parents are not God. And we tend to see our parents as God when we are young, because that's the only... Um, reference point we have in that moment in time. And the authority that they have over our life. Right. Yes, right. So I think there always comes a time when you, when you discover they're not God and you find yourself in a place maybe where, um, where you have to learn something by yourself or you have to learn who you are in yourself and not only projecting everything on what you missed from your parents or what they could have done better. I think every parent, whatever happens, did what he could in a way. And that's what I saw when working with children, that the parents, they really tried to do what they could, but um, the children were mirroring them in many cases, something they had to learn. And I, I found that always the beauty of it. Because the, the parents are always willing to, to take this effort, to take the step into something new. Um, Which also mirrors you. You're always willing to reflect and take it into something new, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And if I may add, the point of your reference is beauty. You always see the beauty in there. It's also with your taking pictures, your special thing. <laughs> It's always taking pictures, but you see the beautiful in that moment. 
And that's where you listen to. Yeah, that's true. I was always looking also at when children came to me, there was always something which really touched me or really... And that's what I try to to light or what, what I really bring into light. Because I think it's important that people feel what it is in themselves that really wants to grow into more beauty. And... I also do it in nature when I make a lot of pictures. I'm always looking for the right spot, the right place, the right angle, the right... There's something in there. Because what does beauty add to the world? Beauty brings always peace. And when you see the beauty in things, that will bring peace to your to yourself but also to your surroundings. So, And that's one of the deep hungers that you have, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing back peace, bringing back beauty. Yeah. How do you resonate with uh, beauty and peace? Very strongly. Um, I have a deep sense of peace. And that's what I always missed. <laughs> I had my adventures <laughs> during all the, I never had a dull moment in my life. I, I can't even remember. But there was a lot of struggle, a lot of fighting going on, and a lot of pushing myself to, to the limit on every level, out of a sense of fear, actually. Basically, I know it's fear now. But in, in my younger years, I didn't know this. It just happened, and it took me everywhere. Um, but the longing was for this peace. The longing was for experience the kinship the, the warmth and I couldn't find my core I couldn't find home and that really happens uh, way later but this sense and this this longing I recognize in a lot of people because we want to come home Most of the people want to come home, even if we don't understand what home is. Because it's not that house. It's in our hearts. But what does that heart do? It's the connection with everything. And this, this is, for, to me, this is, is the core of firekeeping. Coming home and, and feeling our hearts, feeling every heart. Yeah, so it's, it's a deep... Respect for this and deep respect also for this all. Yeah. Beauty has something to do with the way it connects with our emotions. And what it does for me is to experience life at a greater depth and much more consciously than. Um, if you don't see the beauty in something. Uh, it fills me with, uh, particularly if you took this time of the year, the beauty of nature and, and how how intelligent it all is. You know, you see all these beautiful mushrooms popping up and this is a great year for mushrooms. Um, and if you look at how intricate we were stopping uh, yesterday or Sunday it was, um, on our walk through the forest, there was a lady that saw some 
yeah, mushrooms that were yeah, like little hairs, orange hairs standing up from a pine tree. They would only grow on pine trees. And she had been traveling the Netherlands to find these. And she finally found them. She was very excited about it. So beauty has something to do with uh, the depth of experiencing and emotions. And at the same time, it, uh, it triggers in me a sense of humility because if you then look at nature and how intricate it all sort of is intertwined, uh, it, it sort of really presses the message home how little I actually know about it. And this may also be a nice segue in what we were talking about earlier, huh? the consumption of, of information or data and how little we actually know about what's really going on. Huh? Coming back to what, they, uh, what Danny said earlier about uh, lies, uh, I'd say um, when you consume news, typically you consume the interpretation, the sense-making of the reporter, and that in and of itself is already selective. So you're, you know you're missing a big piece of information. And yet, uh, in some shape or form, uh, given the pace of life perhaps, and we don't allow ourselves the time and opportunity to really deepen certain subjects out, we just follow that and sort of mindlessly take that for granted and move on to the next. Um, and was just reflecting on how that also you could interestingly parallel with the consumption of food huh? that many times we, we uh, are not very selective in what we consume and how good we take care of self and how we consume it huh? do we that like last Sunday we had a fantastic Ottolenghi dish and it was an explosion of flavors and we purposely decided not to eat anything subsequent in order to you know enjoy that for as long as we could I can also imagine uh, so many meals where I just mindlessly sort of shoved it in and, and went on to the next meeting or jumped on the next plane or whatever it was, uh, you know, basically forced by the pace of life. So, um, yeah, interesting. And then, of course, there's the question, so what do you consume and who decides what you consume? If you look at media, and, and it doesn't really matter if it's CNN or any of the Dutch media or Le Monde, or uh, typically the, the mainstream newspapers, uh, my impression is it is um, news that sells. So it has an element of suspense or sensation to it. But the same is true for history books. I think, Helen, you mentioned that. Uh, so if you look at our history books from when we grew up, so who decided what was in there? And Because that's the history that we know. And if you look at, for example, what happened in Indonesia, we called it the, the, the pollutionale axis. But it was it was a war, eh? and and so the, the the language we use, um, the information we get offered to consume, at all, um, we need to be mindful. We need to be. Uh, I'd say I'm, I've become more mindful and more conscious about what I consume, how I consume it, and whether or not I need to find something of it or not, and increasingly becoming an observer, and uh, perhaps. It links to that piece of wisdom. When I was young, I was smart and I wanted to change the world. Now that I am older, I am wise and I want to change myself. And I love that because that's a quote you probably picked up on Inside Timer. I just saw it yesterday as well. Um, yeah, Inside Timer is a meditation app that we both listen to. And that's actually also, um, that connects me to what you say. Uh, there is a talk on there from Sadhguru. Um, where one, uh, it was a question and answer session where people would come and uh, post a question to him. 
And one of the questions was like, you know, how do I stop the incessant chatter of my mind? And he said, I'm not sure if you're asking the right question. Because there's lots of other stuff going on that is constantly happening, like breathing, like sunlight, like wind. But how come you bothered by the chatter of your mind? It's just simply there. But why bothers, does it bother you so much? And so he makes a beautiful arch about that it all depends on what you feed the mind. That's the thing that bothers us. Yeah, and that, that, that links to the desire for um, new narrative. Huh? So it feels to me as though um, the information we consume nowadays in, a sh in some shape or form traps, traps us. Huh? We are kind of a hostage in our current uh, beliefs, our current uh, thought patterns, uh, our current outlook on life. And for us to be able to make meaningful change, and to rebalance, you know, we need to break with existing patterns. There needs to be a little bit of destruction before you can build something new. And um, so perhaps that's a pattern that I need to work harder on, or I'm not sure how to go about this, but to break the pattern of uh, falling back to the same sources of information that don't really serve me and keep me hostage in the existing paradigm. And indeed start looking for new sources of information that will further um, feed me, will enrich me and will help me understand that there are alternative outcomes. This is what I call inner food, soul food. The, the poorness of our um, inner food that we are getting is getting less and less. So it's, it's all fast food. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally all fast food what we're getting on this level and it's just not nourishing us yeah. it's not nourishing us and this is so important because I noticed as soon as I get nourished and I have a history with literally uh, hunger um, but as soon as I get nourished also on the soul level my food pattern changes immediately Literally. So what is it that you eat more and less of? It depends. It totally depends. But it gets more at ease. And the hurry to get more food is gone. So I can take longer breaks. I can easily do even 24 hours without food. Without needing the food. It's different if I really do the work because then I need it because my body needs the energy or something. But the nourishment I crave for is different. Yeah, I have the same. I noticed that when I go into, especially now recently again, I feel a much stronger pull and start working through old stories and patterns that I have stored in my subconsciousness but also in my consciousness. Um, I noticed that when I one of these patterns, which I call saboteurs, because they have a kind of sabotaging uh, tendency, when they get hold of me, I'm starting to lose energy. So it's really siphoning and, and, and draining energy from me. I start just going to the, to the 
store, I go to the to the closet and start rummaging for all sorts of kind of food. And sometimes it's it's healthy food, it's kind of nuts or maybe even an apple. But very often it could be candy and sweets and maybe the odd chip in here and there. Yeah, nowadays more people die of obesitas, eh, of too much food than of hunger. Harari wrote about that in his books. Eh? Um, and um, interesting, this connection between what you consume and how you consume it orally and how that connects to what's happening inside eh, and what you uh, consume and, and the extent to which you are mindful of that. What's really nourishing you. Yeah. So the moment we really get nourished, then it changes everything in ourselves. So in that moment, we eat differently, maybe we behave differently, make different choices. So it's, it's, the, it's the first step. And the words that spring to mind, less is more. I was in the south of Europe um, last summer, I believe it was, or in spring, can't recall. And I noticed that I only ate twice a day. And I was very active. Um, but because of the daily pattern, we only got to uh, lunch rather late. And we basically skipped dinner as a consequence. And I felt great. And I realized how little food I actually needed to get through the day. And by extension, then perhaps how much I myself was eating too much, which in part is also the energy you need to process the food in the first place. Um, so again, a piece of awareness about how much do we consume and how much do we actually need and to what extent does it nourish us and to what extent do we dare have also some mindless uh, uh, patterns where we have a craving for something and yeah, uh, just give into it. Then we get back to the question where we started with. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. So it's all about nourishment from the heart and that we become aware what we are doing and which choices we make. And the moment we see that we are like stuck in some of those old patterns, that we tend to read too much of of the information of the news or it's it's kind of an addiction to to avoid something also. Yeah, so in a way we can develop a dashboard. On the one hand, you've got the way you consume news, you've got the way you consume food, <laughs> and that is going to tell you where you are personally, uh, because if the dial goes all the way to 10 on, on you know, stuffing yourself with junk food and mindlessly consuming um, sensationalist information, you know something isn't right on the inside, and, and the opposite. So it may be an interesting indicator to help you in your process of self-examination. Yes, and, and also when it's not maybe <laughs> junk food, it could also be very rigid. We see a lot of people who do just a lot of uh, taking, very uh, are very aware of what they're eating, but they're very strict in their eating or they're very strict in their practices. That's the same thing. It's the, it's the opposite, yeah. but it's the same thing. So I think it's more... When we get into our addictions, when we get into really we have to do this or um, that, that's the same part that we are not listening anymore, that we are not going inside and we find the answers where we should find them. Yeah, and then so to connect to what uh, Frank, you said before about finding the new paradigm in this as well, we all know too well that it's not healthy for us, right? And 
what deeper effect does it have and what actually happens when we nourish ourselves in a healthy and wholesome way. And I picked this up from a book from uh, Brian Sweeney. I hope I pronounce his, his name right. He's written a, a book called uh, The Universe is a Green Dragon. And in this one, he explains that when we eat healthy, so meaning uh, the way that we originally lived on Earth and we were f fooding, uh, feeding ourselves of all sorts of nutrients, that means protein, plants, uh, nuts, um, uh, carbohydrates, all of this, it actually has the right information stored in the DNA. So the DNA that we consume has the right information that also feeds our uh, connective consciousness. So our connection to the universe is fed through the food that we consume, so the literal food, uh, food as well. And with that we connect to the universe and the higher consciousness and, and knowing that is there. Well, the same goes for uh, mental food, so the news that we feed it, the information that we feed it. So depending on what we feed there, it will, will allow us to connect to a greater consciousness. This is beautiful. The insight I just got from this whole conversation is the wisdom is the food that comes from all of this. But the wisdom will also generate the next food cycle. Because harvesting the knowledge and the experience we got from anything is the wisdom. And as soon as we start eating the wisdom of this, also there's a new harvest coming. And this is what we're doing here. We're trying to nourish and get a sight of this. What's the harvest here? What are we doing? What's really happening? But on this level, on the soul level. Yeah. Interesting insight. And thus stepping also into the new paradigm instead of circling around um, the same old problem and question again and again. And that makes me wonder. Huh? So if you look at the, um, the need to take care of Mother Earth and take care of the planet, for me, very evidently, it starts with taking care of self. And, and if you just look at how badly we all take care of self, if you, I mean, look at what we consume, be it news or food or relationships or, you know, you can fill in whatever you'd like. But so what it is that we feed ourselves with, are we nourishing ourselves properly and healthily? And only from that departure point do we stand a fighting chance of doing the same for others or for the planet. So... I'm afraid there's more work to be done for me. So the question is, what are we learning? And there the wisdom will come in. Yeah. So because as soon as we know what we're learning, that's coming, become the new seed for the next harvest. Right. And this is beautiful. And I always say this sentence because it really helps me to open up to all these things. Thank you for making it so easy to love you. <laughs> <laughs> so when we think about our listeners what is it that so this is where we uh, came to right we said 
be mindful about what what you eat be be mindful of what is it that you consume how can we help them to realize that how how could we help them to change and make a real habit uh, change what is our could we maybe share some experiences and our or our own wisdom or uh, insights about how we were able to transform some of this um tendencies that we had in ourselves and also the fallback and then going and getting on the horse again if you if you know what i mean Are the two first words that spring to mind slow down go to nature ask yourself the question what am i learning and my take is hit the meditation cushion just be still and listen to within okay thank you so much to for listening to our conversation today um We hope if you found it insightful and please subscribe to our podcast to stay tuned for the next uh, episode that's coming up. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Bye bye for now. Bye bye.